good to be in the house of the Lord. Good to have all of you here. And uh, I'm glad I could be here. Go to slide 18. We started uh, this lesson last Wednesday. I hope you will um, listen to last Wednesday and then Sunday night. Uh, the slides are the same. I added a few slides to tonight. I'll be glad to resend those. Probably uh, I, I will finish maybe these slides, but there's another part of this that I really would like to kind of piggyback on. But uh, when you talk about the soil, but we were talking about soil and roots and rooted and using the life of David and I, I put a statement in the middle of this slide, and I hit it Sunday night. I mean, I talked about it, that every temptation involves trust. We either doubt the trustworthiness of God, or I start putting my trust in something or someone other than God. And I, I recognize, you know, that... Um, it is, it is not always a simple either or, uh, meaning uh, sometimes people will ask, well, you know, uh, if you trust God, why do you go to the doctor? If you trust God, why do you, you know, go work a job? If you trust God, why do you, and they, they ask, you know, a fill-in-the-blank question, and um, you know, the answer to that is that making sure I have an intimate uh, connection with God and I know that I, you know, when I can feel his presence uh, impressing me and know that, you know, this is either what the Lord wants to use or the doorway or it's not. And then being willing to, um, you know, bring input into from others in our lives. Uh, and I, I can tell you the story of, um, uh, you know, in our own family, my mother um, had um, a, a valve that was fluttering in her heart and, and needed to be either replaced or repaired. And um, I, my wife and I flew down to Arkansas and, and they did a, a scope or whatever, an examination, and they came out and um, they ran us out. My dad was back there. And so they set up our open heart surgery next week. And um, just, she was groggy and, and uh, my dad was, you know, the doctor was basically saying, okay, we've got it on the calendar next week. And so my wife and I were sitting out in the waiting room and it was like, man, this doesn't feel right. It doesn't seem right. It's not, something's not off. It's not right. And we, we begin to pray and, and my wife called and at that time Cleveland Clinic was uh, willing to take her and examine her and, and there was, you know, all of, and I could make a long war story and tell you how that 
uh, Caitlin was staying in an apartment just not far from Cleveland Clinic where she was working on her, uh, on her internship for school psychology and how school ended on one week and the next week my mom and dad moved into that apartment and, and uh, stayed there where she had been. And, and anyway, one miracle after another and they ended up not having to do open heart surgery but they did this robotic and she was up and out of the hospital the next day and and there was no uh, <coughs> downtime for repair it was and it didn't have to be replaced it was repaired and, and so my point is that it's we don't blindly follow even a doctor when you trust God, you bring God into every decision, no matter what it is. You know, you may go to the doctor and the doctor may say A, B, and C, and you just don't feel it. And you say, well, how do you do that? Well, you have to have a peace about that, a, a, a feeling like, you know what? Ooh, I'm not sure. And then be willing to talk to your husband, wife, children, whatever, say, pray with me. You can bring it to people that you trust spiritually and say, pray with me. I, I can remember numerous times when Brother Phillips would say, pastor, pray with me. I, they've, they've authorized or they've said I need this or I should do this and I'm pray with me. And we would pray together and begin to, you know, seek the Lord. And then that we kind of come to a consensus. Is this a, is there a peace about this? That to me, the biggest mistake is when you act as if God has no part in the decision. Because in, in, if you are a child of God, he has a part in every decision in your life. It's not a question of, well, do I want to go to this college? Do I want to take this? And I, I've told my own children, you know, that when they were in school that, you know, you, you can have the desire uh, in your heart of I want to be a whatever, fill in the blank. I'm going to go to school, do your best, work hard, go study, buy the books, but if it feels like the Lord is shutting the door and you don't like the classes and that, don't, don't panic because who's in charge? Lord, if you're wanting me to take a different path, praise the Lord. And so it's that developing a trust in God. Now, why is that so vital is because you, you then have a partner in every decision. You have a partner in every, and I know, because you can say, well, I put it out on Facebook and I found out what they all want. If you trust everybody that reads Facebook, great. Um, I don't read Facebook, so you're not going to get that decision from me. As a matter of fact, I had someone call me today and say, uh, Pastor, did you just ask for, to be my friend on Facebook? And I said, nope, not me. I, somebody else may have, but pretending to be me, but it wasn't me. I, I don't, I'm not on it. I'm sorry, and I'm not I'm against Facebook, I, Metaverse or Meta Universe or whatever, Google, I, I'm, Twitter, Twilight Zone, whatever social media app you use. 
you know, all I'm saying is, as a child of God, we need to put God in all, all those decisions. You know, if it's quit the job, if it's ask for a raise, if it's whatever. And, and so all of that becomes part of who we are as a child of God. And so therefore, you have to be able to know and discern the voice of God from every other voice. And, and one of the ways that you do that is if you're feeling afraid, if you're feeling despondent, if you're feeling frustrated, if you're feeling like this doesn't, there's just something about it, I don't have peace, you know, and then, and, and I put here no lies, meaning that, you know, if, if someone tells you, well, I'm going to tell you what you need to do and, if, and here, because here's why it's going to need blah, blah, blah. And they tell a falsehood. According to the Bible, if you make a mistake on one prophecy, guess what? You're considered false prophet. Sorry. And so if, if somebody's made a mistake, you know, if you don't do this, you're going you're gonna to be dead. You're going to have a fall by the time you get home. Well, if... <laughs> may be good advice. You may need to follow it, but let me tell you, it could be don't trust everything they say as being verbatim. You understand? And you know, again, that sense of urgency, you know, and I've had people call me and you need to make a decision and you need to make it by, you know, the next 30 minutes and you need to and, uh, and, and we had a, a vendor for the church that, um, uh, you know, we use push pay or whatever. I don't know what all we use on our website. And they called and you need to renew this for three years and you need to do it. And he was on a conference call with David and I. And, and uh, I was proud of David. He said, well, send us the link and we'll pray about this. We'll get back to you one day next week. And I thought, good. You know, he's wanting to, let's do it right now, right now. Come on, right now. When, when you begin to feel that sense of, uh, why? We got to keep God in our decisions. I want to know the voice of the Lord. And I... I, I put down here the verse in Titus and I mentioned it last Sunday night about God cannot lie. And then I talked about, and, and there's all kind of voices. And, and, if, and if somebody's voice, you know, if somebody tells you, well, you don't need to pray, you don't need to worship, you don't need to go to that church, you don't need to, to read your Bible, you just need to, and I'm going to tell you something, believe it or not, there are people that have done that. What was the guy in Indiana that told all of his people, don't take your Bible, you don't need the Bible anymore, listen to me, we're going to Guyana. Huh? And unfortunately, these were people that went to church. Many of them had the Holy Ghost. And you say, well, how could they be so stupid? They weren't rooted in the Word. Because if you're rooted in the Word, you know that heaven and earth will pass away. 
But the Word, don't ever tell me I don't need the Bible. i got to have the Word. And I know, I put up too many slides. Everybody, you know, and I'll send them to you. But I want you to know, it's not what I'm saying. Because that is going to last forever. That voice. And so being able to recognize the voice of God. And so, you know, when somebody said, well, you don't need to go to church as much, you know, later. Well, let me see, what does the word say? So much the more you see the day approaching, don't stop going to church. What? Well, that's word. Sorry. I know. We're all busy. I know. I don't have time. I, I got it. But that's why this is the truth. Everything is measured against this. If it doesn't line up with this, it's not truth. Because this is the truth. And, and that's where, you know, knowing that voice. Because in the beginning was the And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. God doesn't need another prophet that will supersede. In fact, one writer, Paul, said, I don't care if an angel appears and preaches any other form of gospel. He's accursed. Don't listen to him. And in this hour, you know, this is what it means to be rooted. So knowing the character of God versus the character of others. You know, because I know a lot of times people will, and, and I, I understand, and I am so sorry. I'm sorry when people get hurt, and I, in the years that I've pastored, I, I've heard more than enough war stories. And I, I, we've all, I mean, we've all got war stories of people doing us wrong, people saying the wrong things, doing the wrong things, and doing it in the name of God. But listen, I know the difference between the character of God and the character of people. And if somebody is doing something, I don't care if they say, this thus saith the Lord or not, it doesn't matter because I know how God acts. And if you're not acting the way God would act, sorry, your character is off. Somebody lies and cheats and steals and whatever and makes fun. <laughs> Guess what? They may call themselves whatever they call themselves. It doesn't matter what they call, what kind of ministry they have, what kind of program they have, what kind of name they put on their church. If their character doesn't match, this is why the writer said, know those that labor among you. And I understand there's great sermons. There can be great sermons that are preached online and great sermons and, and, you know, I guess for me, I'm just skeptical. You know, I, I've seen advertisements, you know, if you buy our product, we send one pair of socks to the homeless shelter. Or we send, how do I know whether they do that or not? Amen. 
So for me, if I don't want their socks, that's not going to be the tipping point. You understand? I don't know their character. I can say anything. And that's why, you know, the danger of, and, and I understand all the television ministries and all the, you know, the different things. I, not that it gets television ministry, not that I'm against video, uh, all of that. But know the character. You know? Someone one time sent me a clip of a preacher from Louisiana. You know, I need, the Lord told me I need a bigger and faster airplane. You need to send me money. And I'm sure people were doing it. And that's fine if you want to support a man that needs a faster and bigger airplane. That's up to you, but in my opinion, know the character. You know, know, know what's going on. And the Lord said, if a man, if a son would ask his father, how much more will your heavenly father give? And then James said, every good gift, every perfect gift is from above. So anything that's good, anything that's perfect, that's come into our lives, you know where I know it came from? It came from God. And there is no variableness. What does that mean? He's not, you know, he's not manipulative. I'm going to give you this. I'm going to take it away. I'm going to give you this. I'm going to take it away. I'm going to give you, no, he is not that way. He is not one to do whatever he can to hold something over our head. In Deuteronomy, uh, the 31st chapter, be strong and of good courage. Fear not, nor be afraid of them. For the Lord thy God, it is he that goeth with thee. He will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. That's why David could write, stand in awe, sin not, commune with your own heart on your bed, be still, offer the sacrifice of righteousness, put your trust in the Lord. There are by many that will say, who will show us any good? Lord, lift up the light of your countenance upon us. You have put gladness in my heart more than making a lot of money when the corn and wine increase. I will lay down in peace and sleep for only thou makest me dwell in safety. So not only knowing the voice of God, knowing the character of God, and knowing that he is not, and I, I, I had someone one time say, you know, I think the Lord is just trying to mess with me. And I'm thinking, you don't know who God is. If he wanted to mess with you, he could mess you all up. Amen. He's not there trying to mess with you. The Lord's trying to mess with my mind. No, he's not. That's the enemy trying to do that. Ask for the peace of God. You know, knowing that God has been ordering my steps and my life versus luck. And this is a very important one. And this is one of the dangers with people not being rooted in this hour. The dangers of, of young people that they, they feel like, you know, 
It's just luck. Everything is happenstance. It's just luck or it's what I want to do. When you realize I'm the one in charge and I'm the one messing my own life up and there's no point to it. There's no God. That can be super depressing. You're going to run into a buzzsaw. Why do we think that young folks have been committing suicide and being depressed more than ever? Is because they don't realize there is a God that can order your steps and he's able to make a way. He's able to change a direction if you'll just trust him. You know, I, I remember when David lost a job at Park and now the Lord provided a much better one. We can say now the same thing about joy. When you're in the midst of it, But when you go, Lord, I'm going to keep worshiping. I'm going to keep praising. I'm going to keep rejoicing. I'm going to keep thanking you because I know you're ordering my steps. I don't know why you chose this. If it was for me to witness to somebody in the doctor's office, if it was to tell somebody what, uh, you know, what the Lord's done for me, if it's for me to be able to, you know, have a pray, whatever it is, Lord, I'm your child. That's when you're putting down roots. That's what will hold you. Isaiah said, Lord, you know, I mentioned how Jeremiah said, I was formed before birth. Isaiah said, you called me from the womb, from the bowels of my mother. You mentioned my name. Notice that second verse. And he hath made my mouth like a sharp sword. In the shadow of his hand hath he hid me and made me a polished shaft. In his quiver hath he hid me. And he said unto me, verse 3, Thou art my servant, O Israel, in whom I will be glorified. What am I, what am I saying? The Lord is polishing me. The Lord is sharpening me. I don't know when he's going to use that arrow. I don't know what he's going to do with it. I don't know if he's going to shoot an apple off of somebody's head or if he's going to use me in battle. But Lord, I'm willing to go through whatever it is because I trust that my life is not just hap, hap, happenstance. Luck. Well, it was just bad luck. I was at the wrong place at the wrong time. Time and chance happens to everybody. I, I understand that. But you know what? I still believe the Lord orders the steps. Somehow, Lord, you got this. I mean, if he knows how many hair I have and he doesn't know what I'm going to face today, he's got the wrong accountant. And as I develop this trust in God, that he's ordering my steps, I know his voice, I know his character, then he can trust me with more assignments, with more gifts, with more opportunities, with more resources. And then that starts a journey called stewardship. Anybody ever heard of the word stewardship? That's when you're entrusted with something and then it's how am I going to use it? 
You know, if the Lord gives me that job, how am I going to honor him? What am I going to do with my time? What am I going to... You know, if he gives me a gift, how am I going to use it? Because the goal of, of us is to have trust in God. The goal of stewardship is faithfulness. So what is the response to trials and pressure? What should be our response? I fall apart? Oh God, why am I going through it? Or I say, all right, Lord, you're trying to push me into greater faith in you, greater trust in you, and resting in you. Anybody that's been in here that's gone through something, When you come out on the other side, your faith is, huh? Your trust, Those of us who are on the outside, just looking. When I see Brother Tim Galoni walk in, when I see Sister Wilkes walk in, when I see Brother Bill walk in, all that does is, huh? When I see people that are here that have gone through, yes. God, you can do it. Amen. You, you see what I'm saying? And, and Brother Gimple used this on Sunday morning, Jesus being asleep in the ship during the fierce storm. And, and I, I realize, and I put here that God is wanting to push us into faith and rest, and the enemy is wanting to push us into fear and striving. Agitation. I mean, you know, the story, and he, he did a great job in just a short time, and I, I don't need to add much to it, but the story is that the Lord said, let's get in the boat, let's go to the other side. So the Lord directed them. They didn't just strike out on their own. And yet in the midst of the storm, it was so severe that these experienced fishermen, these were not guys that had never been out in a boat. These are guys that had been through all kinds of storms. But this was such a major storm that they were literally afraid for their life. And what's amazing is we have no evidence that Jesus was a fisherman. He was the son of a carpenter. We don't have any evidence that, that the Lord was a great seaman. You know, so why wake him up? He doesn't know about this. Pull down the sails. Come on, Simon. Let's row. Let's row on this side. We're just going to handle it. And the more they tried to handle it, we don't need Jesus. Jesus, yes, Jesus is great at what he does, but let him sleep. And I've wondered how many times I've done the same thing. I, I'm stressed. I got to do this. I got to pull. Huh? Get the, tie up that rope over there. Get that dough. Batten down those hatches. Where's the bucket? Huh? I'm going after it. 
oh man. And then finally I reach that breaking point and I go, Lord, don't you care? And he goes, well, you never did even ask me about it. You never did even talk to me about what's going on. Don't I care? What do you mean, don't I care? You didn't say, oh Lord, what do we do about this? Should we row or should we let the boat go? Well, he's not that adept in fishing and rowing. You see what I'm saying? Unfortunately, I've probably been guilty of that a few times. Well, the Lord doesn't know what college courses I need to take. Well, the Lord doesn't know, huh? Why should I talk to him about it? Anyway, they woke him up. And you know the story. He goes, what, what's, what's going on? What are you so worried about? Well, oh my Lord, can't you feel this boat's going crazy? Oh, peace be still. And of course it shocked them. But the point of all of that is as I develop trust in God and I bring God more and more into my life. And so, you know, when you look at, well, the Lord ordered this. So, Lord, now what do you want me to do? You brought a storm. Is this, you want me to go through this storm? Or you want me to turn around? You want me to go? They, they didn't bother to ask the Lord any of that. They let him sleep. Hebrews 11 chapter, we know is the faith chapter. It starts off, now faith is the assurance. In the King James, the substance, the confirmation, the title deed of things we hope for. The proof of things, this is the Amplified Classic. The proof of things we do not see and the conviction of their reality. Faith, perceiving as real fact what is not revealed to the senses. Is that ability to worship God when I see my children say, when I see my, before it ever happens. I keep praising. Keep praising. I see myself healed. See myself well. I see my, some deliverance. I see it. Huh? That's faith. When you don't actually see it, but you see it through an eye of faith. And that's what the Lord is trying to develop in all of us. And you say, why is that so important? Because when he comes back, you know what he's looking for? Faith. I'm looking for people that are this and that and believe that and do that. He said, I'm looking for people that have faith. Why, why have we been going through a trial of our faith? Why is you going through a trial of your faith? To develop a root system in the Word? Huh? Was it because we've done bad? No. As a matter of fact, David wrote in Psalms 127, except the Lord build the house, they labor how? In vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city. Uh, 
I'm not saying, you know, you can't use your best ability to try to figure out what you're going to do for money or retirement. But you know what? If the Lord doesn't keep it, any of us, guess what? I mean, I've had seen people so afraid they're going to buy silver or they're going to buy gold or they're going to buy stock or move it to the this or move it to the that. I'm not saying you can't do any of it, you know, be wise, but at the same time, make sure you add God into the picture because he's the one that's got to keep this. Oh, it is vain for you to rise up early, sit up late, eat the bread of sorrows because he gives his beloved sleep. I put here on the slide, David, Moses, Gideon, Simon, Peter, Apostle Paul, all of them. The, the Bible is full of people that didn't make good choices. And so, I mean, all of them were men of faith. So maybe when we feel like saying, Lord, I don't feel adequate, it might be a good sign. If you ever felt like, Lord, I don't know what to do. Well, that's probably a good sign. Because if you knew what to do, you might do it without asking God. And so, don't ever hesitate. Okay, Lord, there's this choice and this choice and this choice. And I don't know which one. Help me out here, Lord. I'm going to call somebody that I trust their life, their character. I'm going to pray. I'm going to... Wait till I feel Don't feel bad. <clears throat> Jesus was telling the Pharisees and the disciples were asking him questions. He went to his disciples and he says, You have not chosen me. I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain. And whatsoever you shall ask the Father in my name, that he may give it to you. I want that, that I can ask anything. But I want to, you got to produce fruit. And that requires roots. That requires faith. That requires trust. And you say, well, I don't see how my trial is doing anything for me. I don't see how that's working anything. Well, Paul said it like this. The foolishness of God is wiser than men. And the weakness of God is stronger than any man. Not many wise after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble. God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise and the weak things to confound the things that are mighty and the base things and the things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, things which are not, to bring to naught things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. It's not about me getting credit or somebody else. Or, all that belongs to God. <clears throat> John, which starts off his book, remember in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. 
He gets down to verse 12 in that first chapter. And notice what he says, because this gives me so much hope. But as many as received him, remember he talked about the word. So as many of us that will open the soil of our soul up to him. To them gave he power to become the sons of God. Even to them that believe in his name, which are born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the 14th verse, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. What are you saying? I'm telling you that the seed is what is required to do the work. I prepare the soil, I get the water, I put a sunshine, I keep the soil turned over. But if I have bad seed, no matter how much fertilizer I put. Huh? So the seed, so it comes back to, it's not by the will of man, it's not by the will of the flesh, it's, not, it's only not by blood. That's why he was saying, you're not just born into this because your family has all been in this. You're not born in this because somebody said, I went out, whatever, and I can tell you, no, but when God calls us, that's where I know that I know, Lord, you've got a work to finish. He that hath begun a good work in me, I don't feel adequate. You know what? I'm not. But the word that's in me. All I have to do is keep stirring up the soil. Keep watering it. That seed's going to take off. That's why Paul could say it with such strong conviction. I take pleasure in infirmities. In reproaches, in necessities, in persecution, in distresses. For when I am weak, then am I strong. James said almost the same thing. He said, my brethren, count it all joy. Rejoice, delight, get excited when you fall into divers temptation. Why? Because that temptation is going to work patience. And patience is going to work. Huh? Remember? Let it all have its perfect work. Wow. How can you say that? Because they had developed a trust in God. Simon Peter said, wherein you greatly rejoice, even though you're in heaviness through manifold temptation, that the trial of your faith might be found unto praise and honor and glory. You know what they kept their mind on? When what, what kept them focused in the midst and faith in the midst of all that trial? They knew God had the power to get up out of the grave. Jesus was resurrected. Simon Peter in this second... Corinthians that we read the 12th chapter where he talked about counting it joy. Notice what he said in the first chapter. For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of the trouble which came to us in Asia. We were pressed out of measure 
above strength, even so much as we despaired unto life, even of life. We thought we had a death sentence. That the sentence of death in ourselves, we thought there was an execution date. We were so stressed, we're not going to make it. Out of measure, above strength, desperate, desperate of life. But what did we keep telling ourselves every morning? We serve a God that raises the dead. I don't know how he's going to do it. Now I know, he had been stoned before and drug out of a city and left for dead. Now, that's never happened to me. But you know what it instilled in him when he went through that? Now that I'm in Asia, you know what? I don't know how, if he'll raise me the next day or... But we know a God that is able to raise the dead. And he hath delivered us from so great a death and doth deliver in whom we trust and yet he will yet deliver. So we trusted him thus far. We trusted him in the past. We're trusting him today and we're going to keep trusting him. I don't know what tomorrow will hold. And he was talking about in Romans, he talked about Abraham and Abraham, the father of nations and the one that, you know, they trace the Muslims and the Jews trace back to Abraham. He said, as it is written, I've made thee a father of nations before him who believed, even God. And notice this next phrase, who quickeneth the dead. Abraham Why did he believe in a resurrected? He had never seen anybody resurrected. Why did Abraham believe that God could quicken the dead? Because he knew he was too old to have kids. Sarah was too old to have kids. And a child was born. So that's why when the Lord said, bring me Isaac, come on. I don't know how, if he's going to raise him up, give us another one. I don't know. Amen. When you have experienced the power, that's why having the Holy Ghost is so vital to make it in this hour. When you've experienced resurrection power through the infilling of the Holy Ghost, you ought to know that you know hope against hope. That I can believe in the promises of God. That's why he said about Abraham, who against hope believed in hope. <clears throat> how, how is it? That's why David, in his famous song, The Lord is my shepherd, he would hit his stride and say, Yea, though I walk through the valley, of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Psalms, he said, hear my cry, O God. Attend, in my, 
unto my prayer. From the end of the earth will I cry. And when my heart is overwhelmed, when I don't, when my emotions are spent, lead me to that rock that is higher than I. For you've been a shelter for me in the past. You've been a strong tower from the enemy. I know what you've done in the past. I know how you filled me with the Holy Ghost. I know how you brought me out. I know how you worked in my family. I know how you made a way and I know you can make a way today and I'm going to keep trusting you for tomorrow. Why? Because like Jesus said about stony ground and I mentioned this at the very beginning. You can hear the word and you can receive it with gladness and that's wonderful but it's not until you've gone through some stuff that the roots start going down into the ground. Anybody can have Sunday morning only religion. Huh? Anybody can have a let me log on and raise my hand and you tell me I'm a champion religion. But when you've gone through afflictions and persecution, the only way you're going to stand through that is you got a root system going on. Sorry. And, and let me tell you, and I put here, I guess I was hungry. Vidalia onions don't grow in Ohio. There's something about the soil in Vidalia, Georgia. Tabasco peppers, you can grow them in Ohio, but they don't taste like Tabasco sauce that's grown in McElhaney, Louisiana, where it's over a salt dome and there's a special flavor to it. You can go through peach trees and Spanish olives and Italian olives and you can grow an olive somewhere else, but it doesn't have quite... Why? Because there's something about the soil. What is our soil going to be like? This right here is where our soil is. Remember what he said in Psalms 1? So be like a tree planted by the waters. They delight is in the law of the Lord. And in that law doth he meditate. I'm through. John 5th chapter. You have not his word abiding in you for whom he hath sent. This is what Jesus told the Pharisees. He looked at them. They were, they paid tithes. They, they went to the synagogue. They did all the outside stuff. And he looked at them and said, you don't have his word abiding in you. Because you don't believe me. He said, search the scripture. Because if you would read the word, you'd see who I was. And you remember when the two disciples, I didn't put the verses on there, you can read it, it's in John. Two disciples, you know, are walking down the road to Emmaus. They've already heard the women say he's resurrected and yet they're depressed. This guy walks up beside them and says, why are y'all so depressed? And they begin to say, are you goofy? Did you not just come from Jerusalem? Don't you know what's going on? We thought this guy was the Messiah. And you remember what did Jesus do? Started at Moses and the prophets. 
and begin to explain the word. And he began to talk about the word. Talk about the word and how it talked about the Messiah. And the Bible says their hearts started burning within them. They stopped him and they said, let's get a bite to eat. And when Jesus broke the bread and said, here, come and dine, immediately they go, oh, this is the Messiah. Why? The word. Let's stand. Thank you. Hallelujah. It is so, so.